welcome to the Chronic Pain Experience Podcast. I am your host, Dina Chopolis, founder, head pain coach, and curator at Pain to Possibilities and the Change Pain Academy. To learn more about how the Change Pain Academy is radically changing the way we think about chronic pain, and to learn advanced self-care management techniques, go to www.paintopossibilities.com. That's pain number two, possibilities.com. Or if you'd like to test your readiness to change the pain, you can take our quick quiz at paintopossibilities.com forward slash chronic pain quiz. In today's episode, I am speaking with Dr. Sarah White, naturopath and functional medicine practitioner about taking a functional approach to chronic pain management and trauma care. Dr. Sarah is a licensed naturopathic doctor, functional medicine practitioner, wellness writer, and integrative health professional. She's also the founder of Replete Wellness and This Doctor's Kitchen, one of my favorite websites, by the way. Uh, Sarah is an avid urban homesteader, green kitchen guru, and dedicated yogi on a mission to deliver better health care to her patients. Dr. Sarah's approach to Replete Health looks at you as a whole person and is completely customized to provide support in the areas where you're out of balance. Sarah's goal is to help you truly transform your health, to uncover the root cause of your health issues, and teach you the tools you need to create lifelong wellness. Uh, Personal health challenges in her 20s combined with a broken healthcare system motivated Dr. Sarah to pursue an alternative definition of health for herself and her patients. Dr. Sarah is a published writer and wellness expert whose mission is to help patients restore their health and well-being in order to live happier and more fulfilling lives. Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is this is exciting. We've been um, talking about this for a long time, so yeah. I'm really happy <laughs> that I can bring you on board. So anyway, today we're talking about a, a functional approach to chronic pain and trauma. So before I begin, Dr. Sarah, I've been asking all our presenters a little bit about your backstory and what brought you to here. We kind of touched on it a little bit in your bio, but what yeah. got you to where you are now? So I've never been a naturally vibrantly healthy person even in my teens so I took me to a job at a health food store when I was 13 and I worked at nutrition house for about a decade all through university and then I'm halfway through my undergraduate degree and I discover what a naturopathic doctor is and you're like yep that's it (laughs) that's me this is what I've been kind of working towards all along without even knowing it so it landed there and I haven't looked back Amazing. 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 Well, I know you've helped out a lot of my family members. So that's why I know I know you do good work. So, okay. so um, for those of our listeners who may not know what a functional approach is or what functional medicine is, or maybe even a naturopath, can you give us a little bit of background? Definitely. It's we're really looking at sort of root cause and holistic perspectives of patient dis-ease and and healing. Right. So instead of just treating symptoms, we really try and go upstream and figure out why we landed there in the first place. And I find patients do a lot better when, you know, we address why they're not well, as opposed to just addressing the later end physical manifestations of all that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why this conversation is so important. I think that is a message that's not getting through uh, as much. So, all right, let's dive into it. So we know that chronic pain, chronic illness, trauma, they're all always both emotional and physical. Um, so what are you witnessing on how trauma is actually showing up in the body, in the physical self? 
Okay, so see a lot of physical pain associated with trauma. It's, it's I'd say a hundred, you know, the research is looking about, you know, 30 to 50% of people with chronic pain also have a history of trauma, but in my practice, I'm seeing a hundred. Like wow. I, I don't, yeah, I don't really see it separate. Yeah. Um, and it's because of the way that trauma and stress really plays into the nervous system and cortisol regulation. It's hugely important. So it's very, very hard to separate those two things. Beautiful. I'm really glad you brought up the nervous system because that is the big hitter, isn't it? When it comes to <laughs> yeah, everything, right? Uh, okay. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So when you talk about the nervous system, so what sort of things are you seeing? Okay. So there's kind of a, a whole cascade or a whole sort of, you know, progression of what happens when we do experience trauma, whether it's physical, emotional, both. Um, Typically what we see is at first patients who have experienced trauma have sort of a hyper aroused nervous system continuously where they're just pumping, pumping, pumping cortisol. Um, This is, you know, it is your body really trying to help you and try and heal you and try and give you the resources you need to escape that stressor. But it's not like we are running away from a tiger anymore or, you know, fighting a, a short war. Like these, these stressors become quite chronic. Mm. And so this first stage of hyper nervous system arousal, we have an increased pain perception. We have poor sleep, which then allows us to, you know, doesn't allow us to actually heal because that's the most important phase. So that's across the board. If we experience a, tra- a trauma, we do end up in this sort of hyper state, at least for some time. Mm. There's kind of a middle phase of just dysregulation where perhaps a patient has a very hyper aroused nervous system, tons of cortisol, and then they deplete and dip low and have very low cortisol levels. And it just really doesn't feel very nice and just keeps interrupting these healing cascades. So we can't actually have full resolution of healing. Right. And then when our trauma is chronic and persistent and our pain is chronic and persistent, we end up in this really flat nervous system phase where the body just kind of gives up, right? It's like, I've been trying to help you for so long. I've been giving you all these resources for so long and we just don't have any resources left. And we end up in this very hypo cortisol state. And that's when it's really very difficult to heal and move forward. Right. Okay. So we're starting kind of with a hyper and then we're leading to that, just that fatigue. It seems like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So cortisol, um, I know likely most listeners have heard a lot about cortisol, you know, uh, but they're not getting a lot of context or sort of said, Hey, you know, your cortisol is bumping through your veins, but can we give us a little bit of background? What is it actually doing to the system? Of course it's, we generally refer to it as a stress hormone and I know it's getting a lot of bad, bad representation in the wellness space these days, everyone's like, boo, cortisol, it's terrible. But we actually need cortisol. Um, it's very much a Goldilocks hormone, too little bad, too much bad. And it's you know, very important for our immune system and our regulation of inflammation, which is really at the base of sort of healing, right? Right, right. Yeah, so too much, we're, you know, we don't have any resources to really heal. And too little, we just are chronically inflamed and chronically dysregulated. Ah, good point. It's not always a bad guy. Yeah, you're right. And I think the, uh, the whole inflammation thing too, just to touch on it is also given that bad rep, right? You know, yeah. everyone's trying to reduce that inflammation. And I think it has its space too, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very, you know, it's a complicated cascade, but right. inflammation is part of healing. We need right. it there to bring white blood cells, bring healing cytokines to the area. It's just when we can't actually get to that final resolution phase 
because our cortisol is off or we're still experiencing trauma or we're undernourished or underslept or whatever's right. going on there. Well, I'm hoping in the first five minutes of our conversation, our listeners are getting a sense that, you know, supporting the baseline, just sort of the bare essentials and understanding what they do and the importance of them and how to sort of help them along to just support the system overall, right? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. All right. We talked a little bit about cortisol. We talked about the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So um, getting back to the cortisol or the hypo uh, level. So we talked a little bit about the hyper when it gets to a sort of a hypo level. And you said there's sort of that flat nervous system. Is it difficult to bounce back from that or what sort of, how do you support people who are in that state? It's not easy. Uh, Okay. Okay. Realistic. It's not easy. It does take some some work and some space and some time, right? We don't always have the luxury of, you know, moving to a tropical island for three months, right? Drinking coconuts and just relaxing on a beach. Like it does take some work. And, and that's, I generally see patients do best when it's a multifaceted approach, when there's some physical healing, some mental, emotional, some, you know, nutraceutical kind of the stuff we do in the functional medicine space, but it is, you know, it takes work, but there's, there are lots of tools and there's lots of hope. Um, It just, you know, you just have to be in a place where you're ready to take that on. Uh, Well said. Yeah, no, I I agree. Okay. I love what I love most about functional um, medicine. The functional approach, pardon me, is this full systems approach. Now I know um, other buzzwords, of course, are the gut biome. <laughs> uh, so some people may have heard about this, some may not have, but for those who may not have it, let's just talk a little bit about that gut brain connection. Of course. So most of us have heard sort of that statement that most of our serotonin or our feel good hormones are actually created in the gut. And it, it is absolutely true. And that's dependent on the type of good bacteria that exists there, how much inflammation, um, how well you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Serotonin is an often overlooked important aspect to healing physical pain. And that's why we're so often prescribed SSRI medications off-label for pain, right? Mm. There is a strong association between serotonin. Low serotonin is associated with more pain, more inflammation, all that, right? So the gut is hugely important because that is where we make our serotonin. And it's also our, you know, we connect the brain to the gut with our vagus nerve, which again is very important in healing. It really regulates the nervous system and allows us to get into that you know, relax and release and heal mindset. And it's very difficult to do when the gut is constantly sending out 911 signals because it is poorly, you know, not getting enough nutrients or the wrong types of bacteria or poor inflammation. Right. They really are besties, it seems, you know, (laughs) communicating uh, constantly together. (laughs) Okay. That's really, really important for people to understand. So um, just on a sort of on a general sense, you know, like you touched on a really healthy gut biome is going to just sort of regulate things. So what does a healthy gut biome tend to look like? Is it just sort of foods that you are working towards to bring in back that healthy balance, nutraceuticals or... It's usually a bit of everything. If if patients are really far gone, we sometimes employ some some functional testing to kind of see how you know compromised the gut lining might be, what types of bacteria are in the GI system, what foods might be causing inflammation or aggravating. So there's lots of layers there to unpack. But you know, a, a healthy digestive system, good bowel movements, no pain, you know, no. Hyper digestive symptoms in response to stressful situations. And we can do that with, you know, healthy food, some right. basic probiotics, good sleep. Right? It doesn't always have to be 
very complicated and lots right. of testing. You start with the basics. And if that doesn't you yeah. know, get you to a really great spot digestively, then you might want to look upstream a bit. Good idea. Okay. No, it sounds good. So can we talk about poop for yeah, just a I love talking about poop. <laughs> I had a feeling he would be the one to talk about poop with. Love it. So, the reason why I, I obviously bring it up, we're talking digestively, but for our listeners, I think it is one of those things that's really easy to monitor, right? Yeah. So what would people tend to look for when it comes to healthy poop and of why course. it's important? Of course, a healthy poop should be every day, ideally, kind of around the same time. Humans do best in terms of overall health and the nervous system when we are in our circadian rhythms and really consistent. So, you know, same time of day, regular consistency, no blood, no mucus, no undigested food. Constipation can be a good indicator that things are off in the nervous system because when we are really dysregulated, it impacts the thyroid and that can really lead to slow GI system. Or if every time you're stressed out, you are running to the bathroom and having explosive stools, that's also an indicator that your nervous system or your gut brain access is probably pretty compromised. Right. Okay. That's uh, easy peasy. I think <laughs> we, yeah, it, and it is so telling. I think that's why I wanted to bring it up. Oh boy. Okay. Um, My kids are going to laugh at me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell them, Hey, we talked about poop today. <laughs> Always. I always exactly. Okay. Um, we will talk about sleep in a little bit because obviously it is okay. such, such an important piece of it, but, um, other words that our listeners would likely have heard are, are adrenals. Um, so yeah, how are, or what are you seeing showing up with adrenals when it comes to chronic pain and trauma? Of course. I find most of the patients I end up seeing are, are in this sort of hypoadrenal or this burnt out state. Um, that's, you know, that means they've seen lots of doctors and had a lot of pain and experienced trauma for a very long time. And then they finally land on a naturopath's door because mm. it's not typically the first place we go for most people. There's exceptions, of course, but for most of us, by the time I see them, yeah, not doing so hot. And those adrenals really are those, those little glands on the kidney that make the cortisol and make the stress hormones and sort of get your body back into balance. And most of, most of the time I'm seeing patients with quite burnt out adrenals. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you're right. Typically uh, we're not the first ones (laughs) that people see. So, you know, that's just our medical model. Oh, well. Um, Okay. So, um, and as far as just the tie into, I'm just trying to kind of get into some of the basic systems, but for immune function, Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, the impact of trauma and or chronic pain, um, how is our immune system affected when we are living with unresolved trauma? Of course, it's, it very much comes back to the cortisol thing, right? Like that's one of cortisol's main jobs is to regulate the immune system. That's why so often we see, you know, you work hard all year, you finally get a break at Christmas or March break and you get sick. Right. It's I see this over and over and over right. again in patients because yeah. it's it's always sort of we're just always competing for resources. Right. right. And when the cortisol system is out of whack, it, it always leads to poor immune function, unfortunately. Right. I think that's probably one of the biggest learnings I've had, especially having kids, is seeing their health unfold with that competition, you know, of, of resources. And you've really brought that home to me. I think that's what I've learned from you. So I have heard uh, of. And I think this more specifically speaks to chronic fatigue, but in general, when it comes to trauma and or chronic pain, do you see that it's becoming sort of an, um, an energy crisis? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Right. And that's, 
system. Like we alluded to, right? Like it's 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 gonna take work to get you out of that space. And when you yeah. don't have the energy or the resources to, you know, attend therapy and take your vitamins and get morning sunlight and, and do that low intensity steady state exercise that's so healing to cortisol curves, it's yeah. it becomes very difficult to climb out of it. Right. And I think there's um, a lot of people who would say, well, why am I so tired? Well, you know, if we could just, uh, you know, sit down with them for a good hour. <laughs> yeah, the tank is empty. Yeah, the tank is completely empty. You're right. Okay. So you had mentioned when we were sort of discussing this a little bit, but some of the new research that's coming out, are you seeing any sort of exciting research that's coming out around chronic pain and trauma? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it is really centric on the nervous system, which is so cool because it's like, oh, they're finally getting it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. And so there's, you know, much more of a push for CBT and cognitive behavioral therapy in yep. chronic pain because we yes. do finally, finally understand that that mind-body connection and in a really holistic way, not in a, it's in your head way. Yes. A, yeah, it is in your head because that's where we the brain receives pain and heal, right? So yeah, that's right. That's really exciting. And there is some interesting natural interventions that have actually been shown to sort of reset some of that communication between the brain and the adrenals or the brain and the nervous system. Um, and it, I'm, I'm finding it really, really exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I think it's the big picture. It's amazing what um, a lot of this electronic imaging now is bringing up as far oh. as how the brain works, right? And I think that's, I bring that up also because you know, there's still that tension in the community around, you know, it's all in your head. It's just not being explained properly. That's ultimately right. the issue, right? So yeah. There's nothing wrong with everything's in our head, right? Our whole perception of reality in the world around us is in our head. There's nothing wrong with our pain being in our head. It's, it's just as valid, right? Absolutely. And perception, you're right. That's such yeah. a big part of it is, uh, especially for the nervous system, because it's always gauging, isn't it? What, uh, what's safe, what's not safe. And when it's not safe, every pain, every thread is, is perceived tenfold higher, right? Cause your body's trying to help you get away from those stressors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a big competition going on inside our heads. Isn't it? <laughs> so true. Right. Okay. Um, so sleep, um, we know, and you touched on it earlier that, uh, sleep is also the big hitter because if we're not sleeping, we are not healing. Now I know between trauma and chronic pain, there's a lot of overlap when it comes to sleep disturbances, but there's also some uniqueness when it comes to trauma. Can we maybe touch on a bit of both from what you, your perspective, if we touch first on sort of trauma and sleep disruption, you know, what sort of things are you seeing with your clients? I'm seeing a lot of waking from 2 to 4 a.m. There is an interesting connection in sort of traditional medicine systems where that is a, a time that would be associated with stress and adrenals. Okay. But it's it's also showing when your body's finally getting into a sleep and finally trying to relax. If your nervous system is dysregulated from trauma, it's mm -hmm. very hard to relax, even in sleep. Like the, yes. the body, physical body is not going to let you get there. Yeah. And as soon as you get into a deep sleep, we're up like that mm -hmm. because it's not safe to fall asleep when there's a lion in the cave. There you go. Yes. Well said. Well said. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that's a little bit, I know chronic pain may have some overlap with that, but would you say there's some differences? There's some, yeah, there's some differences. I mean, okay. physical discomfort on top of right. nervous system dysregulation, right? That becomes a, a big obstacle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. Okay. So nervous system dysregulation, we need to work through some of that. Uh, okay. So is there just some quick tidbits that you can give uh, our listeners for just sleep in general? What can we be doing? Mm -hmm. 
at home, you know, to help them set up for success with their sleep. I mean, there's a lot of fun, you know, supplements and interesting things we can do, but I see so many patients coming in for sleep support and they're not doing the basics at all. And right. it's not going to help when you are on your screen before bedtime, when you're working until 10 PM, when you are yeah. you know, sleeping in a bright room with your Wi-Fi router right by your head, like it's, yes. it's drinking caffeine after two o'clock, like it becomes really difficult. Yeah. Um, that being said, I mean, I find patients get the most success, not necessarily from taking a supplement to sleep, but from what they're doing during the daytime, right? Energy expenditure, right? Light in the morning to sort of reset that morning cortisol response. Right. That's where I see patients do their best for sleep, to be honest. Yeah. So it is, it is in our, it's in our power. It's in our, we have the tools in place. It's just a matter of the tools. There's some like really safe, benign, easy, you know, natural interventions. Like there's some cool research on bright light therapy in the morning. So just taking your tea outside or using one of those seasonal lights for us Canadians in the winter, and then also using methylcobalamin or a certain type of B12. That seems to really help, you know, further enhance the, the resetting of those circadian clocks. So there's some really cheap, easy, safe tools that you can add, but basic stuff has to be on point Uh, okay no that's amazing I'm taking notes too because I am giving a sleep workshop (laughs) during this (laughs) summit so I will be sure to put that in there as well Uh okay uh yeah so message to our listeners sleep is a big big hitter if we can address those issues that's amazing uh we didn't really touch on it yet, but I am curious about, and I know you see a ton of this, but just deficiencies in general, you know, when the body is in a constant state or fight or flight, what sorts of things are you seeing when it comes to nutritional deficiencies? Yeah. Magnesium's the big one. And I know it's also get very busy, busy in the wellness space, but magnesium, we need magnesium to, as a cofactor to make cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, all of these stress hormones. And when we are very stressed for too long, it will use up all the magnesium in the system, which will also cause and exacerbate tension and nervous system dysregulation and sleep issues. Right. So that's a big easy win is more magnesium rich foods in the diet, safe magnesium supplementation. Like that's the biggest one I see. Okay. And just a quick example of what sort of magnesium rich foods might be or might look like. Yeah, the dark leafy greens are great. The nuts and seeds. Um, I sometimes have patients take a little handful of pumpkin seeds before bed. It gives them a little magnesium, balances blood sugar through the night. And that's a really good, good starting point. Aha. Oh, perfect segue. And I was just about to touch on the blood sugar. (laughs) Does blood sugar amplify pain, the the lived experience with trauma and sort of vice versa? Is it one of those relationships? It is. And it, it, you know, not to, not to be a dead horse, but it does come back to the cortisol and the the nervous system piece, right? When cortisol is giving you, you know, all of this extra stress hormones so that you can run away, Mm. it's also mobilizing sugars very differently, right? You need all those sugars in your bloodstream so that you can use them to you know, fuel your body for the big escape. And when we are constantly in this state of fight or flight, it's, it's very hard to have regulated blood sugar, which then makes our body feel unsafe and amplifies the sense of fight or flight or not being in safety mode. And it's a very vicious cycle. So blood sugar is very important and sleep also is one of the most important things we can do to regulate blood sugar. So blood sugar is off. We're not sleeping well because our blood sugar is dropping in the night. And then we are eating poorly the next day because our yeah. Blood sugar is starting from a place of dysregulation. Right. And unfortunately, sugar is just one of those comfort things where people tend right. to lean into, right? For for good reasons. So, okay. Is there 
I'm trying to be mindful of time. Is there anything that we may not have touched on? I know we've covered a lot of territory. <laughs> is there anything that you think is really important for our listeners to know about before I let you go? I think I think it's important to have a good objective understanding of sort of where your nervous system is at in this process. Cause I see, you know, adaptogens are hot. All of these things are very popular and I see patients actually doing harm when they assume they're in a certain state of adrenal fatigue or nervous system health, and they're actually not okay. being a lot of overlap in symptoms. Right. Yeah. So, and it doesn't always have to be hundreds of dollars on a functional test. Like there's the perceived stress scale, which is something we can Google that research thinks is a very strong correlation with cortisol levels. Okay. Yeah, there's some at-home tests, like simply taking your blood pressure, right? Mm -hmm. So the orthostatic blood pressure is the blood pressure rise or drop that happens when we go from lying to standing. Mm -hmm. And people who are really burned out adrenally don't have that that spike when they get up, but as opposed to someone with a very healthy nervous system. So there's little at-home things you can do to really gauge where you're at. And I would suggest at least do that before you start messing around with adrenal glandulars and stimulating adaptogens or calming adaptogens if that's not really what your body needs. Uh, good point. And I'm sorry, I meant to bring that up earlier. I think it, I think you're right. Uh, it's really important for our, <laughs> just getting that baseline, that understanding of where you are. So before I let you go, I think if I could just ex- elaborate on a little bit more, um, you did mention a couple of easy things they can do at home. As far as blood work that they can perhaps done, is there any sort of testing beyond that that you think is something that can be done easily, uh, either through their doctor or through a naturopath that will just help to give them that baseline? Of course, yeah. I mean, some easy things through your doctor's office, you know, there's some little clues in your white blood cell, red blood cell and cholesterol metabolism that can tell us a lot about your nervous system. And that is OHIP free. That's, you know, easy to do. You might need some help interpreting it, but at least it's all covered. Right. The research tends to show that cortisol in the bloodstream is not an accurate test per se. We all have a little spike in the bloodstream cortisol levels when we get our blood drawn, right? Oh. It's not, it's not fun for people. And the, the yeah. cortisol in the blood is really showing a snapshot in time, right? So right. if you're stressed, you know, you try to find parking at life labs, you're yeah. getting your blood drawn. Like it, it just doesn't, it's just not reflective. Right. That's true. Okay. Okay. Dr. Sarah, before I let you go um, in the whole topic of just testing. Um, you know, I know that uh, there are lots of people who either don't test or perhaps are not testing the right things. What sort of guidance can you give our listeners when it comes to testing? Of course. I mean, if it's if it's in the budget, the test, you know, the more comprehensive urine tests around adrenals and cortisol and neurotransmitters can be really useful. Um, but it's, you know, it's important just to get some sort of baseline and not go at completely alone. Like I see a lot of well-meaning patients who are doing their own research and I love when patients are feeling empowered to take their healing into their own hands. But some of the things we do, if we get it wrong, if we're, you know, hyper and we think we're hypo or vice versa, we can actually be, you know, hindering healing or doing a bit of harm, even if it's safe and natural. So again, some of those free resources, like just to get some objective objective data before we dive into it or if you're feeling a little lost like the very neutral safe interventions like your magnesium like your sleep like your morning sunlight like low intensity exercise right 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we actually I didn't even touch on the exercise part. And I think uh, that's an important piece, simply because that's part of the chemical process, isn't it when we are able to move. Um, and I mean, that's a whole other conversation, uh, the movement piece, because with chronic pain, not necessarily with trauma, maybe, but with chronic pain, there's that fear of movement. And so when it comes to the fear of movement, sorry, I know that that's holding people back from getting a good night's sleep. If they can just work through some of that fear with a professional, then, uh, or at least a little teeny bit by little teeny bit, they'll produce enough of the chemicals to help them uh, fall asleep. And sometimes when we're, you know, quite burned out and not feeling great, mm-hmm. people are overdoing it as well as a, an attempt to like really get back on track. And that's harmful too. It's that work with a professional, start low and slow, build up slowly, but the movement is really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's just going to give them a better night's sleep, which I know a lot of people that's going to bring up a lot of emotion, just uh, thinking about that. It's perhaps the, I'm hearing the, oh, another thing I can't do. Um, but just a little more than you're doing now, right? Exactly. It's not a class. It's not a, nope. you know, weightlifting. It's, right. you know, if, if you can do a five minute walk and you weren't doing a five minute walk before, that's a good place to start. Absolutely. And if it has meaning to you, if it's something you enjoy doing, even better. It's going to be that much more or with a friend, right? Oh, of course. Let's yeah. let's stack habits here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we covered a whole lot of good stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Sarah. How can people get in touch with you if they would like more information? Of course. I think um, if you want to stop by my website, mm-hmm. website, um, www.repletewellness.com or if you are into healthy food I have this doctorskitchen.com it's got lots of blood sugar balancing high protein recipes to check out highly recommend your website both of them actually I love them both the doctor's kitchen has some fantastic fantastic recipes so thank you so much for your insight today thanks for hanging out with me I really appreciate it it's lovely chatting with you you're such a wonderful interviewer it's just 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 wonderful (laughs) thank you so much I really really had a blast